Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hello everyone, today's episode is a behavioural addiction episode and we're looking at the first ever behavioural addiction that was classified in the DSM-5, which is a manual that psychologists use to diagnose patients with various mental health illnesses. So today we're talking about gambling. So for someone to have a gambling disorder, a person must have persistent and reoccurring gambling problems, along with at least four of the following issues. So needing to gamble with more money to to get the same excitement from gambling, feeling restless or irritable when trying to reduce or stop gambling, keeps trying to reduce or stop gambling while it's success, it's frequently on the person's mind, they can't stop thinking about it, you gamble when you feel depressed or anxious, you try to win back those gambling losses... Um, and so on and so forth. It's got very similar ties with um, substance use disorders. You have the tolerance, you go back for more, you have um, the craving to go gambling as you would have a craving to have a substance. So a gambling disorder is usually associated with games that are frequent, such as slot machines, roulette or blackjack. And As I've said before, gambling disorder is the first behavioural addiction to be fully classified as a disorder by clinicians, arguably leading the way for other compulsive disorders to be seen as addictions, such as video game addiction, internet addiction, sex addiction, and more. So today I have spoken with three researchers in the field of gambling. I'm speaking with Madison and Chanel from the University of Waterloo, and I'm speaking with Candice from uh, McMaster's University. And they all look at different sides of gambling disorders and different games that are used. So Candice looks at slot machines, Madison looks at scratch cards, and Chanel looks at more games such as uh, Candy Crush. So we'll be flitting back and forth between all of the uh, interviews, but I hope you enjoy and I hope you learn more about gambling. Okay, hello and welcome. I am joined today with Candice. Candice, could you give me a two-sentence bio of who you are and what you do? Um, so I am Candace Graydon. I did my PhD at the University of Waterloo looking at slot machine gambling, and I'm currently a postdoc at McMaster University in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Neurosciences in the DeGroote School of Medicine at the Peter Borer Center for Addictions Research. Okay, so let's start with quite a basic question. Um, what is gambling? Um, Well, that is slightly controversial right now, but uh, generally gambling, you think of playing a game that involves money. Um, So, for example, poker where you play cards and there's money involved with it, playing a slot machine where you put coins in and you get certain outcomes and you can either receive a win or a loss. Um, But normally it's some form of game that involves money, a money component, but it can also be uh, betting on sports teams, uh, betting on horses as well. Um, so just any kind of uh, competitive aspect that involves money. 
Okay, great. And is the controversial side of it because it hasn't been agreed on, or is just different opinions with? It's more there's this blurring of line, uh, these lines today between something called gamification uh, with games where you can have games like Candy Crush, for example, where you have artificial uh, monetary rewards. So you can get rewarding levels and you can opt in to buy these special features and those types of games available on things like social media and whether those are considering gambling games or not. So the line today is getting a little bit more blurred with these evolving games and this gamification of uh, certain applications as well. That's really interesting. So it's almost as if gambling is more in the everyday use with our phones, so it's more prolific. Exactly. And now we have to change our meaning to adapt to that. And some are wondering about whether these could be like gateways for children, for example, playing these games to future gambling in, say, a casino-type venue. So there's a little bit of controversy nowadays about what is actually considered gambling. Right. Is there a definition that defines whether you're just gambling or you have a problem with gambling? Well, we use certain measures and some of the features um, in these different measures we use to measure problem gambling include things like spending more than you can really afford to lose. Um, example, does it cause stress and anxiety for you and your family? Um, craving um, is one. Do you actually crave gambling when you're not actually at a venue doing it? Tolerance, so we need to spend larger amounts of money to get the same level of excitement. So these are some of the features that become problematic in playing, um, sometimes stealing money or borrowing money to gamble um, are examples of features that are used um, to diagnose problem gambling. And correct me if I'm wrong, but those are similar characteristics as what would be with um, drug dependence or drug use disorders, as in tolerance and spending more than you want and the craving for said drug. Yeah. De definitely. So tolerance and craving and preoccupation with um, the drug, those are um, exactly map on to um, what we now call gambling disorder or gambling addiction. Okay. It, do you know what the treatments are if someone is to say to be... Um, diagnosed with a gambling disorder? Um, there are various uh, treatments. I am definitely not a clinical psychologist uh, or a treatment specialist, but one of, that has been used is cognitive behavioral therapy, which has been used with other forms of ment uh, mental health conditions like anxiety and depression, uh, motivational interviewing as well, um, which has been used uh, with other substance use disorders. Those are some of the treatments that are used. They're currently trying to do investigations into uh, pharmacological uh, treatments, but that research is very new. So unlike um, some of the other mental health conditions that we know where we do have uh, medications available, um, we're very uh, new in the area of looking at medication treatments for uh, gambling disorder. Yeah, that's really interesting to go for like, um, yeah, the medical tr treatment side, because I would assume that it's I would say, I don't know, this is my opinion from my view, but again, this isn't my field, that gambling ad uh, disorder and addiction as a whole is quite a new field. So then to go into the medication for said field is even newer. Oh, definitely. Gambling, uh, just studying gambling and problem gambling um, and gambling disorders is still a very new field. The last decade, there's been a lot of research uh, that's coming out, but it's a very new area of research. Could you talk a bit more about um, what you're doing at the moment at McMaster? Um, so at McMaster, um, I actually just got a grant 
um, an early researcher award, um, where I'm looking at fusing some research I've done at Waterloo with some research that's being done at McMaster. So it's a collaboration between the two institutions. And what we're looking at is uh, slot machine gambling in particular, because we know that slot machines cause problems, large problems for a subset of gamblers. It's considered to be one of the most addictive forms of gambling. Right. And we're looking at uh, negative reinforcements. So some research that we've done at Waterloo has shown that there's a relationship between getting into, say, a zone on a slot machine, so becoming really fixated in the game, and depression and problem gambling. Um, and what we're looking at is whether um, stress um, can affect whether people play these games for those reasons. Because one thing that uh, we're looking at at McMaster is the role of stress in gambling is there's a large comorbidity between problem gambling and other mental health conditions like anxiety um, and depression. So we're looking at the effects of stress, so stressors in everyday life. Um, and inducing stress in a laboratory setting to see whether this makes people more absorbed in these games, whether it makes them play longer on these slot machine games, um, make them play more problematically. So um, that's really the study that we're looking at now um, and looking at these effects of stress because we know from the substance use literature um, that stress can often be a trigger for relapse as well um, and continued use. So that is the main kind of thing that we're looking at at this point in time. So with the results of the study, would that be to, I guess, help people before they get into that situation of, or just simply to know that stressor would be a, um, a trigger or a maybe this wouldn't help you in the gambling situation? It's, um, it's a bit of both uh, because, again, the, the research on gambling is still so new. We're just working on a systematic review that's looking at the role of stress and anxiety and gambling and just actually piecing those pieces together, showing that there is a relationship between them. And there's something in um, kind of in some basic psychology, we talk about um, like classical and operant conditioning and positive reinforcement. So we think about people playing these games for excitement. Um, there's also something called negative reinforcement, where people play these games to take something away, so to take away anxiety, to take away depression. So really what we're trying to look at is these negatively reinforcing effects of gambling, is people who are playing um, kind of in order to cope um, with their everyday lives, or even just the problems that they've accrued because of their own gambling and depression that might be caused by that. Um, so trying to highlight that and, and illustrate that there are these relationships and then from there we can go into kind of knowledge translation and, um, and advertise that, yeah, maybe um, using gambling as a means uh, when you're in these certain states is not an advantageous strategy for you. Maybe there's other things that will be helpful for you at that time or you're more dangerous. It's a more dangerous thing to do when you're in those situations. So, Yeah. More information is always helpful. So yeah, if exactly. you know what... Mm -hmm. Trying to get that information um, mm -hmm. out there. Uh, definitely a large component. Um, in Ontario, uh, our main funding agency for gambling research has really moved towards knowledge translation and exchange. Um, so not for us just doing the basic research, um, which we need. We need a lot more of this fundamental scientific neurobiological research, um, but also how do we get this information out. One of the projects we're working on at McMaster right now is trying to make um, short animated videos, like whiteboard videos, for medical residents. 
um, because people don't necessarily know that out of all the addictions, gambling has the highest suicide rate. I did not know that. Yeah, most people don't know that. Um, and there's a lot of harms that are associated with gambling. So when you have emergency doctors, um, we have people coming in who might have gambling problems, they don't know how to screen for that. They're not aware of that. So we're trying to make short videos to that are very accessible to medical residents to help in the training, facilitating awareness of gambling disorders. That's really interesting. I did not know that. It is, uh, yeah, I did not know that that was the highest rate of all, as in all substance use. Substance use, yeah, across the substance use, it has the highest rate of um, suicide. So, um, again, something, uh, gambling addiction is, um, it's it's new, it's not, there's not that much research. It definitely is Mm -hmm. ramping up, um, but there's also still a lot of stigma associated with it, right, where people are like, well, why don't you just not go to the casino and blow your paycheck um, on the slots, they don't understand that um, it can be in the brain um, addiction like other forms of addiction like smoking. Like why don't you just not have a drink? Exactly. Why don't you just not take that line of cocaine? Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So um, we're getting there, especially with the neurobiological evidence is showing that um, like in the reward centers of the brain that gambling does activate similar areas. Mm. Um, of the brain to other substance use disorders. So uh, again, one of the reasons why it shifted from being an impulse control disorder to a true addiction in the DSM-5. Yeah. Oh yeah, to touch on what you were saying about slot machines, how it being the most addictive, could you exp- uh, explain why that one is? One of the most addictive. One of the again, most, one of yes. the most addictive. Because uh, there is some controversy um, um, on that as well, but mainly uh, the thing about slot machines, um, there's, there's a few reasons why it can be so addictive. Um, and one of them is speed of play. Uh, you can literally put in, your, place your bet, and within seconds you get an outcome. And we know the immediacy of reward, um, that is very reinforcing from a basic conditioning point of view. Um, so that is uh, one reason. Another reason is that it involves no skill. Um, although a lot of gamblers, uh, as promised, develop get perceived levels of skill over these games of chance. Uh, there's also low initial stakes involved with um, these games, so um, they're relatively inexpensive to um, play at the beginning, although with multi-line games, which are popular now, they can be more expensive, where you can have like $10 to spend. And that would be multi-line as in one row after another of like cherry, bell, cherry, and then below, it's the same. It's the right. same. Oh, yeah. So it's it literally, you could have, say, a three by five grid of symbols, uh, okay. yeah. um, and then you can have a line that kind of goes across the first row of symbols, and then on the top row of symbols, the bottom row of symbols, and then start drawing zigzags. And those can go up to 100 lines. Okay. Um, And so one of the reasons why those games can be harmful is because um, it seems like you're winning quite often on them, but you're actually not. Okay. So when you play these multi-line games, a lot of the wins that you get are actually less than what you wagered. So say you bet a dollar, you win back 25 cents. Right. We call these losses disguised as wins. And um, what we know is that those outcomes happen very frequently, so they inflate the reinforcement rates of these games. 
Um, so another reason why these games are so reinforcing is not only all these wins or fake wins you can get on them, um, it's also the rate of reinforcement. So they follow a random ratio schedule, so you don't know when you're going to get your next win. And we know from animal literature that this stuff, uh, that those reinforcement rates are highly, highly kind of addicting. Uh, they lead you to continue behavior, so say pressing a spin button for a very long time um, versus um, say a fixed schedule where you know where you're going to win. So they follow this kind of perfect recipe um, from basic, basic psychology conditioning um, to make them very addictive, plus have features like these losses disguised as wins. Um, or in older mechanical real games, you can get ones where you'll get, say, uh, two jackpot symbols on the first two reels and then a jackpot symbol just above or below on the last reel. Those are called near misses. Right. And uh, research, again, at the Lab of Waterloo has shown that those are very frustrating outcomes. And um, neurobiological research is showing that they activate the reward centers of the brain. I don't know whether this is a chicken and egg scenario here, but would the casinos have created that with the intention or randomly put in and they went, oh, this works, great, we'll keep it. I've heard that question so <laughs> many times. You joke, how many psychologists are behind these machines right, right? Yeah, creating, yeah. These, uh, creating these perfect machines? <laughs> And uh, speaking to an operator at a conference last April, um, he said the way that the machines work now is um, they're put on the floor in Ontario uh, for say like 30 days. And if they don't survive, they're pulled off the floor. So we think is what's going on here is just kind of like a natural selection process. As they put games out, they see which ones survive. Um, and then they're like, oh, these games are the ones that are surviving. Let's model more games after this. So we think that that is what is the process that's likely happening uh, mm -hmm. versus um, them intentionally designing them um, from the outset this way. Now, maybe that's not true. Maybe there are some very intellectual designs going behind these, um, these games, but I think they know which games are winning um, and uh, which features are popular, so they're including these ones. We know multi-line games started off as um, just like 15 lines and now it's up to 100 lines, so multi-line games are popular, so let's put more lines on the games. Always go bigger. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> go bigger. Now you have crazy slot machines with like side windows on them with um, additional games going on at the same time, um, much more complicated. Tech. Yeah, it's definitely, it's evolving. Yeah. I mean, if casinos haven't hired psychologists, they're probably missing the trick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like they have the team of the best psychologists mm. in the world working for them because it's taking us years to try to break mm. these machines down and study them. Right. Is there any research on looking at whether people think it's not chance and they know the slot machines better or that they have the, oh, I have a skill, I have a knack. So we know that in general, um, gamblers tend to endorse these uh, problem gamblers. The more problematic you mm -hmm. are as a gambler, the more you tend to endorse these um, erroneous, gambling-related erroneous cognitions. Um, there's definitely been slot machine studies that have looked at different features of the game. So one feature of slot machines that I did talk about 
um, was the stop button. So there's a stop button on a slot machine that allows you to stop the reels. But it doesn't change the outcome of what you see on the display at all because as soon as you spin the reels, it determines what the outcome is automatically. So stopping it does nothing. It just makes the outcome appear faster. Um, and they've shown in studies where they allow people to use this feature or not use this stop button, um, that if you let them use the stop button, they endorse more of these like illusion of control over the game and erroneous cognitions and they play for longer. So yes, there's been definitely research that has looked at um, illusions of controls. Oh wow, there's just so much. Yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's been a, a, a lot uh, done on trying to break down slot machine games just because of the harm. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. First subset of players. There are players who can't play responsibly, who bring in their $20, and um, that's all they're going to bet, and then they walk out. Um, yeah. you know. Which I guess is the exact same with um, with drug use as well. As in, there's a, a uh, let's use alcohol as a, a, mm -hmm. a better example. There's a whole population that will use alcohol responsibly, and then there's a s small subsection that, you know, sometimes maybe binge drinking, and then even smaller subsection that actually have a problem with drinking. Pre precisely. Yeah. Um, alcohol is a, is a great example. The majority mm. of people who consume alcohol do so responsibly and do so within the healthy guidelines. Mm. Um, and this, they say the same with gambling. The majority of them um, are responsible as well. The prevalence rates of uh, gambling disorder, uh, like formal clinical gambling disorder, is low. It's only around 1%. Right. The problem gambling is about 1% to 3%. Right. So, no, I think that's everything. Great. Great. Well, thank you, Candice, for joining us. We'll now move on to Chanel and Madison from the Gambling Research Unit at the University of Waterloo. Can both of you just describe yourself in a few sentences, please? Uh, well, I am a PhD student, as you said. Um, I work under the supervision of Dr. Mike Dixon uh, in the psychology department. And my name is Madison. I'm also a PhD student in the Department of Psychology and also working with uh, Dr. Mike Dixon. 
is your work or the work in gambling, is it um, specific to such as casinos or scratch cards or uh, games on your phone or is it does it cover everything? Well, the work the work in our lab focuses mainly on slot machines. Right. Um, but for my uh, my honors thesis work, my master's work, I've looked at scratch cards as well. And mm-hmm. Chanel does a bunch, a lot of co cool work with mobile gaming uh, and sort of the gamification of gambling. Mm-hmm. So Candice, before mentioned techniques to keep players on slot machines, such as losses disguised as wins, could you talk of another technique? Yeah. So there's one um, uh, we've been studying in the lab since I think it's um, it's established, hmm. uh, since the lab is established, uh, and it's ca- called a, a near-miss. Okay. So, most simply, uh, like, imagine playing a an old-school three-reel slot machine. Right. Um, and With the handles going down the back. Yes, the one-arm yeah, bandits. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was very disappointed when I went to one recently, because I, I joined my friend with, to a casino, and... They didn't work. It was oh, just for show. Oh, yeah. It was just for show. Just like yeah. nostalgic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and we asked one of the workers, because I was like, why, why doesn't this work? Yeah. And they went, oh, people just like it being there. <laughs> just familiar. <laughs> just familiar, yeah. even though they don't. You just press the button. That's but yeah, they haven't removed the... Is it one arm bandit? Is that yeah, what it yes, is? Yes. Yep, haven't removed it. It's just for show. <laughs> So, um, back to your misses. So, if you're sitting at the slot machine and you, um, so the goal of these three reels is to get mm. three aligning matching symbols. Yes. Um, and this on a pay line, and this will lead to a jackpot. So, what a near miss is, say that you, um, you spin the reels and you get a cherry on the first line, a cherry on the second line, uh, on the line of the second reel, I should say, and on the third. The you see um, the third cherry stops just right above. Thinking about that situation, you might feel very frustrated by this outcome because it's mm. all perce- it can be perceived as an almost win. Um, and players actually do respond to these uh, very similarly to wins, um, even though they are losses. As a result, despite the fact that they're frustrating, they're still like, very motivating, yeah. uh, and, which is kind of a problem in slot machines because their uh, slots are random completely. Yeah. You can't control the outcome. Yeah. Um, like players might think that they're since they're so close to winning that they'll just keep uh, they'll keep playing. We do find that right. in our in our research that uh, following in your mess, players are um, uh, experience more urge to, mm. or uh, to keep playing. Oh yes, I did read. Um, is it you, Chanel, that's working on Candy Crush? That it is. There yes. you go. Could you talk a little <laughs> bit more about Candy Crush? <laughs> that I can. Um, right. So, Candy Crush is one of the uh, most popular casual games mm. available right now, and it was, I believe, created in 2013, 2012. Lost it. It really has. Yeah. So now, um, the last time I checked, it's it's able to maintain a, a twenty like on average ninety three million daily active users. So this is just the number of people who go back to play on a daily basis. Wow! So um, generally, Candy Crush is a free to play game, right? But uh, there are these micro purchases that you can make in game, um, and sometimes they do give you the uh, some advantage in the game over players who choose not to pay. For example, if I'm struggling to level up 
in mm. a specific level I can um, and I'm running out of moves I can buy more moves or right. use these little cheats I, um, to help me uh, level up is it typical that a game should last that long from what is it now what five years is that is that typical because it, it, it feels like it's a long time it is and it's really um, so it's really difficult to keep mm. a game popular for that long and yeah. there's so few um, that have lasted like yeah, I think if you remember Farmville mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> right mm-hmm. uh, that was another kind of casual game that uh, surged in popularity but then eventually tapered off yeah. and Candy Crush is just one to um, have thrived for so long it's actually mm-hmm. kind of a um, if you think of it from a game design perspective it's kind of an art form yeah it's I to be honest I've never p- played Candy Crush so my image of it is from when there are advertisements and I feel that it's the simplicity it's the mm-hmm. you match it up and then it removes the mm-hmm. the gems and what well, candy I guess yeah, yeah. so is like the simplicity it. something to do with its longevity I, yeah. you're you're actually on point on that one so uh yeah it's a very easy game to pick up uh, there's no uh, difficult skill, I suppose, that you mm. can uh, that you would need in order to uh, play it, and that's yeah. part of why um, a lot of players just kind of keep playing it. And a, a very vital part of the game that can, that keeps players in is the fact that it's on a um, we call it a variable reinforcement okay. uh, schedule. So what that means is that wins are very intermittent, and they're not. Uh, players don't typically know when they're coming, right. um, and they're not always like uh, a guarantee. So, if I'm playing a really hard level that I'm stuck on, like I'll eventually win it. But it's not because I've gained more skill by playing longer. It's just right. there's kind of a there's a I, in Candy Crush the difficulty level doesn't increase from level to level. It's right. all just kind of hodgepodge. Um, uh, it's it's not linearly organized, but right. as each level I play is harder and harder and harder. It's mm. just like sometimes some levels are easier to play, some are really are really difficult. Uh, yeah. So um, what my research kind of looks at uh, this particular feature that's also exists in the slot machines that we were talking about earlier, which is mm. the near miss outcome. Okay. So. So it's a particular type of loss uh, that's represented in the game by a message at the end that says that a player was uh, two jellies or two ingredients away from winning or two moves away from winning. And this is very unambiguous compared to regular losses because if they were far away from the win, they, the message would say something like, you, you're out of moves. Yeah. And um, players do psychologically treat these, these losses as... Uh, um, unique, uh, sorry, these near misses is different from regular losses, uh, just like in slot machines. So I found with my uh, first study that I ran, so I subjected players to all three possible outcomes in the game. So it's like wins, near misses, and losses, and found that players following near misses uh, would experience more frustration compared to regular losses. And um, Consequently, more urge to keep playing. Right. So that's kind of like that um, motivating factor. Where it's like, oh, I was, oh, shucks, I was so close. Mm-hmm. But maybe if I play again, I might win. Right. And um, in Candy Crush, it's not as much of a problem compared to 
um, in slot machines are scratch cards because um, there is some level of skill and um, control that the player can have over their outcome in Candy Crush, whereas in slot machines, that it's erroneous to think that a near miss will lead to a win on the next spin. Um, yeah. Slot machines are more expensive too. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, definitely. Yeah. You're actually betting money on every yeah. spin. Or yeah. here, it's like, oh, well, you've, you're you're sinking in a lot of time and potentially yeah. money if you're making. Yeah, um, the purchases, and that's another um, aspect that I'm trying to look into is what what drives pe- players to make purchases over uh, those that don't, and uh, I think that near misses might be might influence that decision. That's um, because in in the game sometimes when you run out of levels, uh, players get locked out. Uh, so if they lost, let's say five times, and they only had five lives in the yeah. game, they get uh, the game actually forces the player out of the game and for thirty minutes. Mm. Uh, so it will actually pause their play and but give them the option to buy their way back into the game. Yeah. So I'm thinking if there's a, a near miss that occurs, and you're like, oh, well, so close, I might just spend ninety nine cents or a dollar just to kind of. <laughs> Try again. Yeah. Because the if they make the money, I guess that the payment's small enough that it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like, I don't know, a barrier, I guess, again. Like, exactly. ah, it's only 99 cents. Yeah. Rather than if it was $5 to be paid and you'd be like, nah. But is this similar to, do you work with near misses as well yeah. in your research? I do work with near misses, mm. yes, except in uh, scratch card games, actually. Yeah. yeah so uh, the game that I've studied. Uh, most closely is a game called Cash for Life, right. and we've made our own lab equivalent, which is Cash for a Month, because we can't afford to give away Cash for Life, but uh, <laughs> want to sort of emulate similar properties. Um, but yeah, so uh, near misses also are present in scratch cards, which is something that I feel like a lot of people don't know. But mm-hmm. in Cash for Life, they're really noticeable because the um, the top prize symbol is the word life as opposed to uh, sort of a dollar amount. So really the goal of the game is to find three life symbols and you win $1,000 a week for life. So it's a really salient sort of top prize. And a lot of the time you get two of those life symbols, but you miss the third. And that happens uh, more than you would expect given sort of a fair distribution of, of symbol, symbol prizes. So it seems like the cards are sort of being manipulated so that they include those outcomes. And again, uh, probably related to sort of their motivational impacts, Mm -hmm. uh, similar to how they affect people in slot machines and and Candy Crush as well. Mm -hmm. So some of my work has looked at that as well. And uh, people do show sort of huge increases in their urge to gamble following near misses compared to regular losses. So Mm -hmm. they're motivating, even though you lose money every time. Um, but it just still makes makes you want to keep playing. Yeah, yeah. No, it would do. Yeah. And what for both of the, um, these topics? What would be the implication of the findings for this? Is it to know more about gambling in general, or how it how it all works, or is there more? I don't know. Is there a, is there another implication for this? Um, I mean, ultimately. Things like near misses and things like LDWs, they don't need to exist in the game. So mm-hmm. one great outcome would be that you know, maybe we don't we don't include near misses anymore. We we get rid of LDWs mm-hmm. uh, in slot machine games, and we have there's been some sort of movement in that direction in Australia. I think there are Indeed. no LDWs in slot machines in Australia, so okay. cool. Um, but and there's also been some 
sort of regulations passed that supposed to limit the amount of near misses in slot machines, but somehow they're still able to make them more likely than they would mm. naturally. So how they do that is on the first two reels, there's actually more jackpot symbols than there are on the third reel. Right. So that sort of makes that, it's sort of starving the third reel, as it's called. Um, there's also a technique called virtual reel mapping. So the reels you see on the slot machines are not actually what the reels inside the, the slot machine are. And there's actually more weight given to the spaces just before the jackpot symbols and things like that. So yeah. what you see presented to you is not exactly um, how the reel is organized in the computer. I think you mentioned Australia removing near misses and loss of disguises wins. Just LDWs. I don't know about that. Oh, right. Okay. Moving those. Is that with the... I'm assuming that that's with the intention of helping. Yeah, yeah. helping. I think, I think, yeah, generally, like, because the research shows that they are sort of uh, deceptive in a way to players, mm-hmm. and that can sort of lead to, to harm. So the yeah. idea is, I think, sort of making the game safer, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, comes up for me. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Great. So thank you so much for joining us, Chanel and Madison. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Great. We've covered a lot on gambling this episode, slot machines, scratch cards, and even Candy Crush. I hope you enjoyed it, and our next episode should be out on tobacco and e-cigarettes, so stay tuned. I'll put the links for how to contact and get in touch with Madison, Chanel, and Candice. Uh, and as ever, we are on at WhatTheCrackPod on Twitter, and if you want to contact us, use the hashtag CrackPodIdea. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.